Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the Internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Foot. Bang, bang, bang. Oh, you got steel, son. Oh, what about that? Send him off. Send the dirty guys off. G'day, everyone, and welcome to the Headbin, uh, the NRL Supercoach Draft Podcast. Uh, back for a new year, and we're uh, launching into our uh, pre-season slash off-season preview review. And we've got a special guest with us today, but uh, with us we've got uh, Azaron, who will be a permanent fixture with us throughout 2022. Azar, how you doing, buddy? I'm good, mate. Good, good to be back. Can't wait for some footy. Yeah, hundred percent. Let's let's hope that uh, COVID doesn't uh, hijack the season again, and we get some, uh, you know, the, the season kicking off when it should. But the special guest I was referring to was uh, the rugby league guru, who's been nice enough to jump on and do a little bit of super coach content with us this morning. So, guru, uh, how are you, buddy? Yeah, going well. Thank you, boys. Thanks for having me on. Very keen to uh, get stuck into some draft content. Best format uh, of super coach by far and away. 100% couldn't agree with you more. <laughs> I, uh, as I was saying off air, I did a bit of a podcast with uh, the Whisperer last week and I had to apologise to him because he's a bit of a classic guru himself and I just said, look mate, I'm an alien to that format so please don't get offended but uh, you're going to have to talk me through some of the process and some of your terminologies and stuff but it's, uh, it's, a, it's a world of its own, the classic and I've been doing draft for about nine years now and I, I kind of don't know anything else but it's definitely the format of the future hopefully. I think uh, I, I think the whisper is slowly starting to turn just quietly. Yeah, I think so too. <laughs> I kind of see it, um, and, and correct me if, if you feel differently, but I see classic as a little bit of a stepping stone format for some people. They come in, they under you know when you're first doing super coach, you come in, you do classic for a couple of years to kind of get the idea of how to use. Uh, super coach as a format, understand players and the point scoring system. And then I find a lot of people kind of, if they're into the competition aspect of it, they'll move to draft because, as you know, you can be in a grand final and you can have one player difference to your opposition. Yeah, I, I'm sort of, you know, I see a lot of content creators that, I don't know, that they turn the classic and draft into like some sort of like turf war or something. I, I, I just think it's ridiculous sometimes. Like, I obviously prefer draft. I think it's a better way to play. But I, I appreciate the skill set that goes into Classic and how difficult it is over a long season to make the right decisions, pull the triggers at the right time. So I, I think there's a specific skill set for Classic that is very impressive. I myself don't have it. I've learned that the hard way over a number of years. Uh, but yeah, I just, it, it's bizarre when you look at the landscape of Supercoach and then you look at the landscape of of every other fantasy competition for sport around the world I mean they are all draft yeah. uh, it just it's it's bizarre how it's played out uh, I've got nothing against classic but I'm yet to meet someone that is a keen classic player that then plays in a proper draft comp and doesn't fall in love with draft you know oh 100% and I, and I kind of also feel like there's guys who would be each year inching closer to that number one spot in classic too so that would be hard to walk away from that 
if every year you're improving your overall position and getting closer to that prize, it would be hard to go, oh no, I'm gonna try draft this year because uh, as you said, it's a, it's a long-term investment uh, for the whole year. And if you are gonna take it seriously, draft is so time consuming, it's not even funny. Like I, like for me, I've been, I've been in two, three, four draft comps a year over the last few seasons. And yeah, right, mate, right. it's just too much. I just, it is like the amount of effort I put into my home league and how seriously I take it. You just, I really struggle to do other competitions and cause it mate, it's, it's, it's a full-time bloody gig. Uh, throwing in a classic side that you're serious about and trying to listen to, you know, two, three hours of content a week over what you should do with your two trades. It just, it seems like a very tough gig to me. So I'm, yeah, I'm sort of happy and content right now just to go all in on my home league. And, uh, yeah, I, I absolutely love it, mate. It's Especially when, when, when you've got a comp with a, with, a, with a good group of mates that are all keen, all take it seriously. Um, there's really nothing better for me. Yeah, 100%. And we're lucky there's, there's four of us that do this podcast now, so we can kind of split it up. So last year, Luke and Benny, uh, who, who do this potty as well, they looked after our Legends League team. And I didn't touch it because, again, like I did a lot of our podcasts and stuff like that. And you're right, you spread yourself too thin and you, you're not going to get the result you want in any of your comps. So you have to kind of focus on one or two and and go go pretty hard on that. So, Guru, what's your best result? Have you won your comp yet? Yeah, so 2014, I actually won it my first year. Uh, and then I, uh, then I won in, I think, 2016 or 2017. So been a while but i've also i think since 2014 i've lost four grand finals as well so i've got a pretty good record uh but it is starting to head into that sort of choking territory and it has been a while uh since i've won a comp obviously so the, i've had like i've obviously had two opportunities to go back to back which no one had done in our comp which would have been a big deal and fuck i, I would have absolutely given it to everyone but uh, the bloke that won the last two years, he's uh, he, he's won two in a row now. He's come from nowhere, beat me in one of those grand finals as well, which is a stinger. But uh, yeah, no, I, I've been pretty successful in it, but it now is getting to the point where it's been, you know, four or five seasons since I've actually won one. Yes, I've, I've come second in, I think, three in that time. But if you're not first, you're last is the old saying. <laughs> Certainly. Well, between the four of us on our podcast, we've got five titles. I don't have yeah, one of them. Oh, it's a stinger. Good God. <laughs> Considering uh, as a... Um, how long have you been with us, mate? About four years, five years? Four years. And you've got two of them in that time, so it yeah. definitely stings. <laughs> yeah, well, when, when, when I showed up for the first year and won that first year and carried on like an absolute tit, I don't think anyone was uh, overly stoked. <laughs> yeah, but you got it, mate. That's what it's all about. It's uh, every man for himself in, uh, in the draft comp, that's for sure. So... So over that time, uh, that mate, time, mate uh, give us like your like best and worst draft picks. Draft like uh, I know, know kind of hard to sift through, you know, nine or ten years worth of picks. But is, does anything stand out where you where you nab someone late in the draft and he kind of carried you to one of your titles, maybe, or potentially someone who you just wanted to ride, let you down at the last minute or something? Yeah, no, there's a few as far as best picks stand out. As I said, my first year was 2014. My first two picks were. Jared Hayne and Thurston, who both won the Dally M that year. So um, that was an unbelievable season. It was, uh, we we play Captain's League. So to have Hayne and JT, I think they ended up being the two highest scoring players in 2014. Um, so that was an unbelievable run. And oh, I think they were both averaging 80, which is impressive. But in 2014, that was just ridiculous. Um, I think I, I had a bit of luck that year too. I think I had Hayne, but I also had um, Chris Sando in my team. Oh, uh, and he did right. really well for Parramatta. So, mate, I just, I was absolutely blessed that year. Had a, had a couple of huge ones. I've, in, in the years since then, I've sort of probably made bigger moves on the waiver wire. Guys like Reese Walsh, Angus Crichton, these sort of guys. Dylan Edwards, I got him before he exploded. Um, but... Draft-wise, I think John Bateman in 2019, I got him very late. I actually, I didn't think he was going to be the player that he was in any way, shape, or form. I thought he'd probably average 20 less points than what he did, 20 or 30, to be honest with you. But I just, you know, when you're sitting there and you just see that dual position to RF CTW and you just think, fuck, it's a, it's an eighth-round pick. If, I, if it goes to shit, it's not going to cost me a season. And uh, it turned out to be a great one. He was sensational. 2020, I... um. 
I'd been talking about this Harry Grant kid for three years and I think everyone was, was sick of fucking hearing about it. So I thought, you know what, screw it. I'm going to go him. I drafted him in about round six, which when you consider that he wasn't... Like, there, there was only rumours about him going to the Tigers at that point. It was a pretty big punt. Uh, but that one paid huge dividends. And, uh, yeah, I think I think Harry's really scratching the surface at the moment as far as what he can do in, uh, in Supercoach. And... As far as my worst one, uh, there's probably a standout and, you know, because I do, you know, give the boys a lot of shit because I've won two comps and been in a few grand finals. They always remind me of this one. I'm going to guess it was 2019. I uh, I got James Tedesco pick one, which was great. And because he was just setting the world alight then, I got a little bit uh, a little bit overconfident in my round two pick. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to take a gamble on this Bryce Cartwright going to the Gold Coast Titans. <laughs> And, uh, mate, I lost. It was it was an incredible season. I lost the first nine games in a row and was copping shit left, right, and center. I dropped Bryce Cartwright. I, I dropped Bryce Cartwright in round 10, and I think I lost another two games for the rest of the season. Unfortunately, one of them was a prelim final, but uh, it was a bizarre season, and it just turned out that Bryce was the biggest fucking germ imaginable in my side. <laughs> Mate, I've been a victim of that before in, in 2016. So he had that cracking season with Penrith in uh, yep. 2015. I, I got number one pick in our comp. Um, and as you do, like we do the same as yourself. We go away for the weekend with the boys and we were down in Byron for the weekend. And, you know, I, I reckon I'd put away about 10 to 12 beers before we started drafting, um, which is obviously a big issue to start with. And I had the choice, Cam Smith or Bryce Cartwright, and I went with Cartwright, and he did his ankle in the second week, and he didn't play again for the rest of the year, and yeah, he's so grim. killed me, oh. absolutely, so I think he's let a few people down over the years, old Bryce, but he's always had that potential, so yeah, I think he's uh, burned a few few of us. Mate, it, it, it honestly, if you take someone high like that and they get injured early, it, you're, you're honestly, you're heading into like mental health issues for the year it is it is just, it is demoralizing when you know your season is oh, i had another season where and they weren't bad picks but i think it was 20 it was 2019 or 2020 and i went viliami kikau and tavita pango jr in round two and i i think i got teddy or, or a high-end guy in round one and mate the, the, there was three trials on that night and kikau and kick uh kikau and tpj got injured that night and were both yep. out for yep. five or six weeks and i just I just sat there going, you're fucking kidding. I've just lost two of my top three players and we've got another week of trials left. This is unbelievable. Oh, I, I, in that same year, I had Kikau and TPJ, but I also had Tommy Turbo as my pick. And yeah, he, he got he done the same and night, didn't he? 100%. I was almost, yeah. Yeah, like, I almost just left the comp. I just went, boys, <laughs> I'm out. <laughs> but it wasn't Jesus too Christ. bad. It wasn't too bad, so... So, mate, you touched on captains and uh, before you play a captain's league. Have you, have you obviously, in the Legends League last year, we, we did no captains. What's your preference? Because this year, we, we've we've shifted uh, in, in the head bin. We're doing no captains for the first time. Just a little bit of a change-up. We've been doing captains for a long time. And I love captains. I think it's the one of the only pure actual coaching aspects of, of, of draft. A lot of it you kind of put in the hands of the players themselves. But uh, I love captains. But what's your preference? Oh, captains by a mile for me. Um, I I think the no captains is so boring. And it was probably, you know, I, I was going like a busted asshole anyway. But it was another reason why I didn't overly have a huge interest in the Champions League. Because you set your team for the weekend and, and then you, you don't really need to touch it again. Unless there's a catastrophic injury or a late change. I mean, I just, I, yeah, I, I struggled to keep interest with it. Didn't help that I was also going like a busted, as I said. But for me, I just think captains is the best way to go by a mile and you know I hear people say oh Turbo's ruined the game and it's like oh okay but you also told me Tedesco ruined the game at the start of last season um, he got you know Turbo averaged 60 more points than him I just think that the game will always change I think people are moving away from non-captains because of what Turbo did and whilst it was unbelievable I'm sorry it's not going to be the example he's a freakish player there's no doubt about it but you are taking the best player potentially at the peak of his game playing against teams and coaches that have got no fucking idea what they're doing 
and he is beating up on those teams. The gap will close. I don't think it'll be as bad. And I think that from what I've gathered, it looks like there will be rule changes this year. And I mean, if you're going to make any rule changes, it has to be to bring scoring players down. So I, I think once the rule changes come out, I think there'll be a lot of people that have moved away from Captain's League that might uh, might flick back to it just quietly. Yeah, fair call, mate. Fair call. Yeah, I wonder if, that, if we'll end up doing that. Yeah, oh, yeah oh, look, possibly. possibly. I, 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 do, I do. I'm captains every day, but there's no worse feeling in Supercoach than having a turbo playing on a Friday night and some bloke's got him VC'd and he just busts out at like a 190 or a 200 and you're just like, oh, well, weekend's done, I'm out. <laughs> and you just, you can't recover from it. So there is its pros and cons, but I agree, Matt, I'm, I'm all captains. But, but, but that's where as well, you know, the guy that has turbo, he has... He has given, you know, he's taken first draft pick. And if, if you do a snake like we do, which I think you have to do, yep. you know, he's got that advantage, but he's also not like he's going to miss out on the next top 20 players realistically. Mm. Um, so I, you know, as much as like if I had first pick, I'm taking turbo and I'm feeling really confident I can win a competition then, no doubt about it. But I don't think that's always going to be the reality. I mean, yes, turbo, he, he played 15 games last year. It was unbelievable. But I mean, the three seasons before that, you, like you were nervous to pick him at eighth. Yeah. Realistically. Yeah, hundred percent. So Guru, which team do you think will produce the most top tier? Like top one, two players? Yeah, it's it's a tough one. I, I think that it's still going to be a league that is dominated by the top four to six teams. Uh, realistically, the top four teams, I think. Um, South Sydney, I think they drop off a little bit. But I think the goal kicking probably pushes Latrell Mitchell up as well. So um, Cody Walker, I think he'll be there and thereabouts. But uh, a bit of a wild card. I probably put Penrith, Roosters... Um, and the Melbourne Storm in in that in that real top tier as far as players go, I, I want to say the Roosters, but I, I'm you know obviously Teddy I absolutely brain I think Kiri will be up there, Angus could be up there as well. But outside of those three, I'm not sure how many guys really explode into that top three. I think Penrith though with you know Nathan Cleary, Brian Toto, um, I think that. Um, that Jerome Luai could bounce back and find his way in there. So I think it has to be one of those top three teams. Obviously, the Melbourne Storm, whilst you're not going to pick anyone from Melbourne in the top three picks, I think they're going to have three guys in the next five picks in Munster, Harry Grant, uh, Ryan Pappenhausen. Uh, and, I mean, there's an argument for Jerome Hughes. If you took him 10th yeah. yeah. or something, i, I, I got to tell you, I probably wouldn't push back on you. I, wouldn't, I probably wouldn't do it myself, pending situation, but... I mean, to have four in the top ten, as much as none of them are probably top three picks, uh, Pappenhausen potentially could be, but uh, definitely not going to have a top two pick. But to have four in the top ten for Melbourne, um, that, that's a pretty big standout for me there. Yeah, I think Melbourne's probably that that top tier, isn't it? Like, I mean, now that they've just had Jerome Hughes kind of just move into that, that group with the uh, the other three that you said. I think that that's correct. And same with Penrith as well. They've, they've got some overachievers. And, and speaking of overachievers, uh, mate, who do you think is going to be the most overdrafted uh, coming into 2022? Who do you think blokes are going to reach for um, or probably won't drop below round four? Um, look, I, I, I don't think the majority will go with these, but I think there is going to be one Muppet in each and every competition that does this. I, I look at Matt Burton. Um, I think a lot of people or uh, enough people in your competition will look at Matt Burton and go, oh, especially if you if you don't get a top three pick, if you end up in that you know, 8 to 14 sort of realm and you want a high-end guy, this is where a Burton, a Brimson, a KP, all three of these guys all of a sudden they probably look appealing because, you know, granted you can go someone safe, but then once again, you've got to look around the room and go, well, how the fuck am I going to beat Turbo? How am I going to beat Nathan Cleary? How am I going to do this? So I think those three guys, Burton, Brimson, KP, they're three guys that I know I won't have. Uh, well, fuck, I, I hope I don't. If, I, if I've if i got one of them, I've ended up at pick 14. I've had a heap of bourbon and it is absolute panic stations. But those are probably the three that I look at and think they will get overdrafted. Um... And yeah, the, the one I'm really worried about is KP, to be honest with you. I, I think his average could absolutely plummet this year. I was, I was saying to the weekly rubdown boys the other day that, mate, like you, you could honestly get KP at the end of round two and you could be disappointed. Yeah, wow. I, 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 agree. I agree. I totally agree. I, I think that I you think look, at it, look at it. Well, well, let me put this to you. 
would you take Hines before KP? Assuming Hines gets the goal kicking. Yeah, I probably, mate, I, I had Hines written in this bunch, but I, I scratched him out at the end. He, he, he would probably be the next closest guy for me. If he's goal kicking, I, I take him. Yeah, I, you know, I was thinking the other day, like, if Ruben Garrick lost his goal kicking for whatever reason, I still take Ruben Garrick over KP, I think. Yeah, I, I think yeah, the stocks I mean, on KP have fallen, hey? Oh, mate, I, I think they've fallen huge. And, you know, I, I've seen him without Mitchell Pearce, and he really does struggle. And then I had a look at his stats at the back end of the season for Newcastle. They were playing for a final spot. Mitchell Pearce was there. Mate, he, he scored above 50, I think, once in his last five games last season. Mm, yeah. And, I mean, does he? I, I, I don't think he keeps the goal kicking. I think he's going to have enough on his plate. And I think Barnett and Clifford hit him better than him anyway. They need him so much, though. They rely on him so much. Oh, as a, it sucks to be a Knights supporter. Hey? As a Knights supporter, this is this is all great. This is great feedback and great chat, but it's also hitting the heartstrings a bit too. <laughs> uh, but, but but at the exact same time, it, it it obviously doesn't mean I'm right. I'm just going off how I see it playing out and what I've seen from Newcastle. He could have a James Tedesco season where he jumps into first receiver and he just takes his game to that next level. That, that's the thing with KP. I don't think it'll be this year. But does he have the ability to do what a Teddy did last year? De he definitely does. So um, I, 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 I think someone will go early on him. I, th I, I wouldn't be surprised if he still goes top 10 in some competitions because 9th and 10th will go, well, how on earth am I going to beat Turbo Cleary? So, But yep. I, I, I'm really hoping it's not me. It's not something I want to rely on. No, no, that's true. That's fair. That's fair. And who do you think will be the steal of 22? Uh, it, it's really hard to say before trials. A lot of it comes down to trials. But one guy that I'm really high on is Ruben Cotter. I think if he plays 13 uh, for the Cowboys, as much as he's not a high-end guy, I think you can get him really late. And um, I, I said the other day on my page, I think he could be the guy that we always wanted uh, Jazz Tavega to be, that guy that just plays 13 and makes yeah. 65 tackles a game. He's got that. He's, he's got some subtle ball playing too that will lead to points as well. So... Mate, if Ruben Cotter... And there's a lot of dominoes that have to fall the way of Ruben Cotter as far as how they use Taumalolo, how Todd Payton wants to coach, where, you know, whether he wants to play him a little bit at nine, whether Robson stays fit the, and, and holds his form the entire year. So there is a lot of gamble around Ruben Cotter, but I think if it all falls into place, which, fuck, if I was Todd Payton, um, I'd be interested in coaching in the NRL over the next few years. I'd be making that change. The other one that you have to watch in trials, I think, is Paul Momorowski. Um, if oh, yeah. he lands left centre or preferably right wing for the Sydney Roosters and he's goal kicking, uh, mate, he could be absolute gold this year. Uh, he's got really good base stats as well. He'll either be outside Joey Manu or playing left centre outside Kiri with, with Tedesco and Daniel Tupu outside him and Angus Crichton inside him. So there's just... There's so much ability there, but you've obviously got Kevin Naguama. I don't think they're going to bring him back from England and not play him, so I think he will be somewhere. He tended to play on the right side when he was over in England. Uh, and then you've also got Billy Smith, who I think would be ideal to play left centre. And then you've got Joseph Sawali that yeah. you've got to fit in somewhere too. So I think if you're grabbing Momorowski, you've got a... You're probably going to have to go him a, a, a little bit earlier than, than what you'd like because I, I think there'll be plenty of people with their eyes on him. Uh, you look at the Roosters' side and, I mean, Takiyaho, I, I personally think Takiyaho will play decent minutes this year. I, I think they took so much out of the tank of Rhea Hargraves last year that um, they'll probably look to ease him back a little bit. I don't think Adam Kieran will be in the team, so... All of a sudden, you know, yes, Takiyaho would be the goal kicker, but it would be great to have Momorowski. Devil's advocate, though, I mean, uh, how many games is going to be decided by goal kicking for the Roosters this year in the regular season? I'm not overly sure. So, mate, honestly, I could give you 10 reasons why Momorowski should be a round six pick, and I can give you 10 reasons why he probably shouldn't be drafted as well. So it just depends how it plays out with him. You can see the uh, Ruben Garrick appeal there. He's almost Ruben Garrick light because anyone that they plug into that right wing spot, you know, Bmoz, even Ikavalu when he was there last year, they just they just eat all day. And then you, you you're right. If he gets the goal kicking, we could average sixty five for the year. And mate, there's you know there's a lot of games here where Momorowski played centre last year and he got thirty five base stats. I mean, you put him on the wing and he's returning kicks. 
Like, he averaged 28 base stats. If he's playing on the wing for the Roosters, I, I can see him averaging 35 base stats next year. He could be huge heading into next season. I mean, you look at his stats from last year. He averaged 28 bas- base, uh, 15 points evading, 7 scoring, 7 creating. And that was on Penrith's, you know, not their strong side. You look at his season... He only scored six tries. Fuck it. He could score six tries in the first four weeks at the Roosters. Yeah. Yeah, you're not wrong. So, I mean, you kind of brushed uh, up on a couple of these in the last couple of questions, mate. Is there anyone in particular who you'd be reaching for early rounds? Yeah, I, I, I don't mind. Cotter, Momorowski could be another one. Uh, all of this is trials pending, obviously. I like this Isaac Tago uh, from the Penrith yeah. Panthers. Uh, but the one that I probably will reach on, and the one I reached on last year, because I just think he is an absolute fucking superstar, is uh, Katoni Staggs from the Brisbane Ooh, Broncos. Yes. Yeah, and, and look, most players coming back from an ACL um, are less dynamic, but he basically had the whole of last year off. So, um, you know, had a bit of a hamstring issue at the back end of the last year, which kind of gave him a little bit of extra rest and a very mature decision for him to just say, I'm not pushing it, just uh, shut me down for the year. So I think it'll be nice and fresh for the Broncos. They've got a sneaky good back five, I think, this year. Uh, mate, it's looking like a strong side, and I love it as well that he's. It, it looks to me by their training videos that Selwyn Cobbo is going to be outside him. So, I and the one thing I, I had Katoni Staggs last year, I waited for him to come back all year, and mate, he came back. He played four games. He averaged sixty-two. Um, his first game, he only played sixty minutes. He walked off the field, and I, I think it was uh, Jesse Arthur's that came on, and they and they put him through for a try. So. Uh, and mate, can you imagine what? What if, if Jesse Arthur's was able to score that try? Imagine what fucking <laughs> Katoni Staggs would have done. So, <laughs> yeah. mate, I, I reckon that the the sixty two average from last year from four games is very underwhelming. I also think that the halves just had no clue how to use him last year. It was an absolute shit fight. Put Adam Reynolds in there, um, and I, mate, I, if he averages. 70 to 80, i got to tell you, I wouldn't be surprised. And I think he can be a genuine captain option, every, uh, like a vice-captain option, I should say, on a Friday night, every yep. single time yep. the Brisbane are playing, not Melbourne, South Sydney, Roosters, Penrith. Yeah, yeah, I like it. Just a premier CTW now. Just looks so good. Uh, top shelf. Yeah. Um, all right, so how do you think the new no six again inside the 20-metre rule will affect Supercoach and, and attacking footy in general? Yeah, I'm not sure how much it will affect Supercoach. Um, I mean, it's a it's a really easy change for teams. I mean, like uh, you uh, like the, the, this is essentially what Penrith won that grand final off last year, and that's that's not a negative. That's smart footy. That's smart coaching. Whatever rules are put in front of smart coaches, they're going to take advantage of them. And you know, guys smarter than me, like Cleary, like Bellamy, that they'll find a way to take advantage of this too. Uh, I've always said that. The NRL, as soon as Bellamy is done coaching, they should give him a blank check and say, just come stand in our room and just help us because we've just got no fucking idea how to get in front of you guys. Um, so I, I'm sure they'll find a way to take advantage of it. I think it'll it'll be good for rugby league that it'll be easy to come out of your own end. And I, and I say that because I think the bottom teams, they need help coming out of their own end. Um, you know, you, you look at Penn Penrith and they're so good at it, but there's only one Brian Toto in this competition. Penrith have got him, and it just makes such a difference. Um, and then you back it up with their pack as well. I, I just think that there's so many teams that are struggling to get out of their own end, and as soon as you start to win that tussle, and you've got you know the kicking game of Nathan Cleary constantly turning it around, I just uh, unless they start to make some changes, I can't see how some of these bottom teams are going to be in the same ballpark as these top teams. I think the, the gap will close a little bit and this rule will help. But yeah, and look, I haven't given it much thought un- until you asked me this question yesterday and I'm not sure how much it impacts Supercoach. What, do, do, do you guys think it has a, a dramatic impact on it? Yeah, well, um, we kind of stripped it uh, back a bit and tried to look at what effect it would have. I reckon what it probably does affect a little bit is maybe some outside backs base stats. I mean, think about like coming off your line, first or second tackle penalty straight away, and you, you can kick for touch and get into attacking footy straight away. So you're not using your outside backs to work as much. 
potentially it lifts some uh, attacking football stats because you're in attacking footy straight away. You're going to be playing from the 40 or, or at least in uh, over halfway. So therefore, the kicking, the halves that are kicking, they're probably going to be more likely to put in an attacking kick as opposed to a box kick um, where they're just looking for field position. Um, so maybe it has a little bit of influence there. I think mostly, though, um, you know, it probably takes a little bit of base away from some uh, some outside backs potentially. In saying that, though, and, and I, I actually had someone ask me about this a few uh, about this a few weeks ago, and they said, "Oh, you know, with this rule, Brian Toto he'll score, you know, twenty less base stats." You look at that grand final, Penrith. Um, they would have got penal. Uh, sorry, they, they said like a South Sydney outside back would have got twenty less base stats because Penrith would have given away fifteen penalties. And I said, "Yeah, but." Penrith won't defend that way when this rule comes in. Penrith are defending that way because it suits the modern game, and it's the same as every other team. The good teams worked out that giving away a six again on first and second didn't matter as long as you won that next tackle, which meant that you could get up early and belt them and put them on their back, and and then you can play that entire set. I, I understand where you're coming from, but I also think coaches will adjust and teams you, you I, I don't think you'll see a heap of these penalties given in the first 20 meters you will see some there's no doubt about it especially early in the piece teams will work out how far they can push referees and when they'll blow the whistle etc but yeah I, i'm not sure if it makes a huge difference i mean this is what the rule used to be and i, I don't I, I don't remember when it changed us panicking or, or us you know celebrating like crazy because center wings all of a sudden jumped up in base that's unbelievably you know yeah. No, I agree. I agree. It's just one of the rule challenges that we thought we'd, we'd have a look at. And, and, and what you said before is probably right, too. They've probably got a few, uh, you know, they potentially have a few up their sleeve. You know, they love a mid-season rule change and things like that. So um, there could be another few that we have to take into account. But um, what we thought we'd finish up on, mate, was just a bit of uh, a player analysis in the draft space and just throw a couple names at you. And if you could hit us with what you think they'll average this year and where you think that they'll probably be taken, because there's a few guys coming off long-term injuries that are coming back into the game and you'll uh, identify with them as we kind of reel them off. But it'd be just interesting to get your take on where you think these blokes are going to go. Before you start this list, I've had a look at it, and if I get within 10 points of any of these guys, I'll be stoked. I've got... They are some of the biggest wild cards in our game this year. 100%, and that's why we put the list together. We just wanted to see, one, where you think it'd go, and maybe yeah. just a little bit of... Uh, uh, smart footy. <laughs> that's it. So, uh, yeah. mate, uh, now this guy's really interesting for me because obviously he's, uh, I think he's dual position, um, and he's at a new club, but Cam McInnes... Yeah, Cam McInnes is a really interesting one. I think if you are, if you're drafting Cam McInnes, you need to throw his average out the window, and you need to, you need to divide his season into two. You need to have his first half and his second half. You're drafting him to having him in the second half of the season. I wouldn't be surprised if by the back end of the year his average jumps by ten or twelve points. Um, I think for the entire season. His average will be about 65, but I think for the last eight weeks or so, once he's fully fit, once he's found his spot in this Sharks team, probably once they have a couple of other injuries, I, I think he'll be a 75-point guy. But I do worry about his role in this team, where he fits, the minutes he plays, and that's the gamble that... I, I know a lot of people are looking at his base stats from the last few years and going, yeah, he's a top 10 pick, but I just... I can't do it. I, I There's not a world where I see myself drafting... Cam McInnes, I think the game has moved away from him. I think he lacks a lot of creative skills to be a 13. Defensively, he is unbelievable and he will base that the living shit out of it. Um, but I'm just not convinced coming off an ACL and I think the game moving away from him a little bit. He won't be a guy that I go after. If the guy that does get him gets a 75 average out of the back end of the season, congratulations, well done. But where you're going to have to draft him, you probably could have got a fullback who will average 60, but he has the ability to score 140 on any given week. Whereas Cam McInnes, I, I mean, I, I think his absolute ceiling is 100 and you might get it once or twice a season if he manages to score a try, which he doesn't do very often. He's a bit of a plotter, isn't he? Like he's, as you said, like he just lacks a little bit of polish in the ball playing aspect. Do you think that they play Blake Braley for the full... 80? Or do you think maybe I, part of McInnes's role is to, to give him a bit of a spell? I, I think they play Braley for the full 80 because 
the halfback and 5'8 jersey isn't sorted. Nico Hines will be one of them. You've then got Braden Trindle. You've also got Connor Tracy. You've also got Matt Moylan. So I'm expecting them to play one of those guys at 14. I don't know if they use one of them as a hooker. Um, I mean, they, they, they could move Cam McInnes into the 9 jersey uh, for the back end of the game. But, m- mate, for, for me, I look at the modern game and I, ju- I just think it has moved so far away from Cam Cam McInnes as a hooker firstly but even as a 13 to be honest with you he doesn't have the creativity out of dummy half to be there and mate if you're going to play Blake Braley at 9 and then take him off for the last 20 minutes and and put Cam McInnes there I mean you might as well have someone throwing watermelons out of there he doesn't have a running game he doesn't have the ruck recognition so I, I just I don't see much upside in Cam McInnes I think it's an absolutely amazing signing by the Cronulla Sharks. He'll be a brilliant leader. Defensively, he will be fantastic. But when you're getting these high-end attacking stats in Supercoach for attacking players compared to, you know, one tackle is one point, uh, I just don't see the upside. In saying that, if we get in six weeks' time and they have changed the attacking stats and tries are all of a sudden worth 14 and a line break is all of a sudden worth eight, Cam McInnes is all of a sudden a lot more relevant, but until then, we can only go off what we've got at the moment. Yeah, no, agree, agree. And what about his teammate, Nico Hines, mate? We just touched on him earlier. Yeah, another guy, as you know, I mentioned him uh, as a potential reach guy. I still think he'll average probably 60 to 70. I think that Cronulla, their defense will be good enough uh, to be able to really beat up on some, some of these bottom teams. So I still think he will have high-scoring games. I think that he will goal-kick at the Cronulla Sharks. I'm not really sure. I mean, Trindle might take it off him, but I probably lean towards Nico Hines having the goal-kicking, but you'll know that during trials, obviously. Um, And even if he doesn't get the goal-kicking, if he loses it to Trindle, I mean, are we we hyper-confident that Trindle stays there the entire season? I'm, I'm probably not. I hope he does, but... There could be a lot of changes there. So I like Nico Hines. I would probably say around about a 65 average, which is still pretty fair. But I think without having their draw up in front of me, I think that as with every single guy you draft, you should be looking at their last four weeks and picking a team for the last four weeks when you need to win a competition. I'm looking at their run home. It's pretty damn good. Round 22, they got the Tigers. Then they got Manly. But if you win week one and you're in the top four, hopefully you won't be playing that week. Then they play Canterbury and Newcastle. So if your grand final is round 25, this guy against Newcastle, um, 2 p.m. Sunday afternoon, that could be anything. Oh, it's most likely to be a cricket score. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. And, uh, I mean, you trashed his stocks a bit before, but what do you think about Caelan Ponga? Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Um, I'll tell you what, I'm going to save Kalen Ponga for the end when you give me a ridiculous scorching hot take. So let's proceed. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, the, probably the biggest one. Jason Tomalolo, where do you think he goes? I, if I'm Todd Payton, which I look like him, but I'm not him, I would be, <laughs> I, I, I would put him around the, and it's not a real specific prediction, but I would say somewhere between 50 and 65 points. I can't see him averaging much more than 65. I don't think they'll use him for huge minutes. I think he'll play a front rower's role, which I think you'll see him play 55 to 60 minutes, which. I think that he can average 65, but I'm just, I don't know. It just doesn't all seem right up there at the Cowboys to me. I, I There is only one guy I can possibly see myself drafting from the Cowboys, and it's Ruben Cotter. Uh, everyone else, I'm just letting it go through to the keeper. There's just there's too much mystery. There's too much, there's too much dysfunction up there for me. There was so much hype for Peyton, and he's just, just shut the bed, hey? I, I will say this, and... I know when I say this, people will say, yeah, but the Roosters had it worse, but the Roosters are the exception. They're not the example, realistically. Todd went up there. Um, I think they're still recovering from the post-Thurston era. They had Tao Malolo, who broke 
three hands. They had Michael Morgan, who, I'm sorry, on his day, he's a top five halfback in rugby league. They were expecting him back mid-season. All of a sudden, he was gone. Mm. Um, Jake Clifford, who... To me, I thought he was a bit of a glorified reserve grader. They let him go. Then he went down to Newcastle, absolutely brained it. I mean, the optics weren't great there. I just, I don't think it's been perfect for the Cowboys. Um, and that's not excusing them. But I just, I, I'm willing to give Todd a bit more time. And, you know, as soon as Reuben Cotter was available last year, he played him at 13. He moved Tao Malolo into the front row. So maybe it's a change that... He wanted to make, but because Cotter was out for so long, he was sort of uh, hamstrung by that. But yeah, it has been very underwhelming seeing what Todd has done so far. Um, and because of that, I just, I, I've got to leave the Cowboys. I can't go near him. I'd like to see Peyton use Tao Malolo similar to how Bennett and Demetrio used Kolomatangi last year. They start him on an edge and then they move him into the middle a bit. I just think he would be so effective. Think about him running at a Luke Keary or, um, you know, a Jake Clifford, you know, just targeting those those weaker edges in the, in the league. And then when you need a bit of sting, you just move him back into the middle a little bit more. Um, I don't know. I thought that was pretty effective by Bennett uh, and, and South last year with Kolomatangi. And you're talking about a more dynamic forward in Tal Malolo. I think he could be a lot more effective, maybe used a little bit outside of the box. Yeah, mate, I watched him play on the edge, though, and, and to me, I, I don't think he likes to be there. I, and I also don't think, you know, it, it, say, saying Wayne Bennett did it, um, very different kettle of fish because he's got Cody Walker and he's got Adam Reynolds. He's got genuine halves. Todd Payton, True. fuck, mate, he, he was a better ball player as a player than the halves he's got at the moment, in my opinion. Like, <laughs> he is, Can't he's in a real that. spot of trouble, and that's what... You know, I, I, I've, I, I was talking to Kempi about this a few weeks ago, and we are saying that when he plays on the edge, mate, that should be a license for a halfback to go, I've got the most damaging motherfucker outside me here. This is my opportunity to absolutely star, lay a platform off this guy. And they just didn't use him. Like, no. the, I, I imagine as a half, in my mind, if I had Tamlo, I would be thinking, beautiful. I drop it on him, and then I swing down that short side every day of the week and there will be opportunities there. He, mate, he wasn't even used when he was in the second row. And whether that's the halves or it's Tao Malolo not wanting to... I, I, I don't know, but it, I, I, it just didn't look like it was a good fit to me when he was there. I honestly think with Tao Malolo, you just you got to stop trying to outthink the room. Just put him on the field, put him in the middle, let him tell you when he wants a break. You've got a trainer out there that spends more time than anyone. Let Tao Malolo say to him, I need a fucking spell, I'm done. Until then, just let him play through the middle. Just let him do what he does. I just Even the way that they try and get him to ball play, he's not a ball-playing no. forward. It's a waste. Gets that, they had Johnny Asiata up there for four years. They, didn't, they never used him. Yeah. They they used their best battering ramp, their best meters guy, to ball play at the back. But then they also expected him for, to run for 250 meters. It's oh, I love Tamalo. He's a great player. But for what he does, you know, he breaks records. He runs for this much and everyone shits themselves. The Cowboys never win. If what you're doing doesn't lead to wins and doesn't lead to you climbing up the ladder, I'm sorry, what the hell is the point? Yeah, I, I totally agree. totally agree. And their and their recruitment is is, is probably not a uh, you know a glowing endorsement for for Todd as well. Um, you know they haven't really recruited that well. I don't understand the Chad Townsend piece to be honest. Um, it do, you know it probably puts a lot of doubt in like Scott Drinkwater's mind. And I think he was probably one of their best attacking weapons last year as well. The whole Val Holmes piece is still up in the air. Is he going to be a centre? Is he going to be a winger? Is he going to be fullback? So they've got to get their house in order a little bit, I feel. Well, mate, that, 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 that's the whole problem with them. All their best players don't know what position they play. Yep. All their best players, we don't know where they are best fit. You've got... The, the, the you've got uh, um, what's his name um, the hammer he jumps from fullback to centre to wing you got Val he played fullback centre wing last year like and, and you know yes they're struggling to recruit guys but mate when, once you took Thurston out of that piece if, if, if you're the Cowboys and you're trying to convince guys hey come up to North Queensland it's hot as all hell it'll be the worst preseason of your <laughs> life and we're at the bottom of the ladder I mean mate they would have to pay me the biggest overs in the world for me to go up to North Queensland. And it was a little bit easier when you could send Thurston into negotiations. I remember talking to um, Jackson Hastings and, you know, it, the, the Cowboys came to him and, mate, no one else flew down. They just sent Thurston down. That was it. 
there wasn't a manager. There wasn't. There was. No, they just sent Thurston down to, to talk to Jacko to try and convince him. I remember they did the same thing to Wade Graham. So once you lose that guy, mate, getting people to move to the tropics to play rugby league. I mean, have you seen the tapes of their pre-seasons? They do running up that giant mountain in yeah, thirty-five yeah, yeah. degree heat. <laughs> I couldn't. I couldn't think of anything worse. I, I can't believe Luciano Leilua wants to go there of all people. Uh, yeah, that's Maybe a bit of a head scratcher. Shed some kilos, Mike. He'll be like a sponge. <laughs> <laughs> He'll be following his brother into boxing before we know it. <laughs> oh, it just seems like a nightmare to me. But anyway. So what about, uh, so this, this guy's a bit interesting because I'm probably um, the exception to what everyone's kind of been talking about, but Luke Keery, where do you see him getting drafted, mate? Yeah, I, really interesting one. He could be another guy that people reach for, but I don't think we'll know until probably midway through the season. He is coming off an ACL, but he's not your average player coming off an ACL. He's a guy that I'm not heavily relying on his running game. Uh, I'm also relying on his passing and his um, distribution. I know that people uh, got very, very excited about what he did at the start of last year. He scored 70 against Manly, which on paper is, oh, 70 against the top four team. Mate, they were a bottom 20 team in round one last year. They were terrible. Then he put 123 on the Tigers, who also were going like a busted asshole. Then he played South Sydney, and he put 33 on them. I mean, I, I, I'm not, I'm not hyper-convinced he's going to be the superstar everyone's telling me. I do like him. I believe off the top of my head he's dual position for next year, so that really does help his situation. But you look at the year before that when the Roosters... You know, they did really well in 2020. He had Flanagan next to him, um, and he averaged he averaged 60 points, which is, is great. It's really good. But even in that, he still had a handful of games where he went under 25. Um, when I say a handful, I literally mean a handful. Uh, I can see in 2020, I can see a score of 17, 19, 22, 23, 11, 18. Um, it's a big pun. He has got high-end potential, but I also worry supercoach-wise... Is he always going to get the points that he deserves? He could be a bit like Adam Reynolds where, in my mind, he has 30 tries for the year, but he gets nothing on paper for it. Yeah. Um, yeah, so Kiri, I, I like him. I think he'll be around a 60 average. People telling me he'll average 80. I, I can't see it personally. Yeah, and there's going to be more mouths to feed, especially if Sam Walker, you know, plays a bit bigger a role this year. Um, you know, if he is the the half that they go with. But then, you know, Drew Hutchinson had a great back end of the season too. So there's there's no uh, guarantees there. The, the other thing about Kier, what's that? The smallest halves ever, surely. The smallest. Yeah, yeah, yeah but that's where, the, and that's the other thing with Kiri is that he's not selfish enough for me. He's happy to just dish the ball on, move it to where the ball needs to be, which rugby league is fantastic. It's why he's won three competitions. It's why he's a premier player in our game. But super coach wise, I think you want halves that are a little bit more selfish and will take the line on a little bit more. And coming off an ACL, he might be even a little bit more rattled. And if I'm Trent Robinson, mate, I'm probably saying to him, just, I don't want you running like crazy. We've got Teddy. You're going to have a strike center on either edge. You've got Daniel Tupu out there. Um, I Yeah, so I'm I'm not as convinced he's going to brain it and set the world alight as others are. No, I, I, I hear you. I'm, I'm of that school of thinking as well. Um, this is an interesting one because uh, this guy is quite high um, in, in the in the classic sphere when, when people are kind of talking about him in terms of player rank and that kind of stuff. But we know it's a different story when you come to draft. But where where do you see Brian To'o getting drafted? Mate, I, I, I think he'll go top 10. I really do. Um, I think he'll be a guy that... And if he's not top 10, I think he'll definitely be round one if you've got like a 14-man league. I think that if you can get this guy late round one, I think you've done pretty well, to be honest with you. And once again, um, are there more consistent forwards and stuff that will probably consistently do better than him. Yeah, there probably is. But how are you going to beat Turbo Teddy Cleary on the big stage if you don't have a guy like Brian Toto? So I, I think he climbs up a lot, to be honest with you. He's a guy that um, I, I would take in the top 10, late in the top 10. Um, and, you know, we have a look at his season last year. Like, he came back at the back end off an injury that he should have been out for another six weeks. And Man, I think he averaged 100 over the last two weeks. He went he went 94 and 164. So it's like, what is it, like 100 and 
20 average off the top of my head, something along those lines. Uh, the games before that, he went 87, 88, 66, 106. Um, I think he's got 400s here, but a heap of 80s and 90s. I I think a lot of it comes down to who's going to play left center. If it's Stephen Crichton, I'm probably a little bit less keen. Uh, but if it's Isaac Tago, and I know people will be a little bit worried because they haven't seen him, but that kid is an absolute weapon. Um, so if it's him at left center, I, I'm, I'd be very confident on him. I also look at Penrith's run home. If your grand final is round 25, uh, round 24, they play the Warriors at Penrith, and then round 25, they play the Cowboys. I mean, he could finish with... 120 in both of those games quite easily. Mm, yeah, yeah, absolutely. One score under 50. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's pretty, pretty... It's insane. Cool. Yeah, it's crazy. And and once again, like, we look at a Ruben Garrick. If they take away attacking stats, he's going to absolutely plummet. Brian Toto, if they change attacking stats, yes, he will go down... But fuck, like, t- t- tell me he's going to average under seventy as a CTW. I just, I just can't see it. His base stats are unbelievable. I don't think they'll change base stats too much. I don't think they're going to be able to because it's going to make the forwards even l- less relevant. I think it's going to have to be attacking players if they take guys away. And you know, granted, he's, you know, he, he scores a lot of tries. But I mean, you have a look at the first six weeks of the competition. He went 84, 55, 57, 121, and seventy. He scored three tries over that time. Jeez. Like, it's pretty it's pretty damn impressive um, what he's able to do. And, I mean, yes, if he, it, we're saying if he doesn't score tries, mate, he's, he's in the, the best team in rugby league. He's on the best edge in rugby league, in my opinion. I, I just I can't see a world where Brian Toto all of a sudden stops scoring tries, you know. I, I would even argue, just looking off the top of my head here, I think he scored about 11 last year. He scored three in the last game. Um, mate, I... Personally, I think that's unders for the sort of footballer he is. And he's the kind of guy, his athleticism is in that top tier of wingers where he can actually score some tries that potentially others can't. So he's not Mate, just, 100%. A, he's not just yep. a bloke who can catch and put down. Like He can turn half opportunities into tries, so you've got to factor that in as well. And he can, mate, he can scoot out of, his own, uh, out of his own 20 metre and run for 60 metres. Like He has just got... So much upside. He always beats the first marker on his runs. You get a tackle break every time he scoots, essentially. Um, you know, I, t- t- when was the last time you saw a winger tackle this guy one on one? It just doesn't happen. Like, there's so much upside. It's not even funny for me. Yep. And it, I still think he gets better, which is frightening. He quite possibly could. It's quite possibly could. It wouldn't shock me in the slightest if he gets better. Um, all right. Are we swinging back to KP or. Uh, well, I, I wouldn't mind. Uh, so this this guy just just quietly is someone I'm going to uh, potentially try and reach for. But uh, Jackson Hastings, you had him on your potty a few weeks ago, and he sounds like uh, you know he's he's kind of turned things around, and, and he sounds like he's really going to give it a crack in his second stint in the NRL. Where do you think his season goes this year? Yeah, I'm a big fan of Jacko. He when when we spoke about guys to reach for, he's probably one that I, I I didn't think about, but he is a guy that I will definitely consider. I just think with Hastings, you need to you need to go into this draft pick knowing that his average will probably be 35 to 40. But when he is starting, and I think it's a matter of time till he is, I think he'll be a 55 to 60 uh, sort of player. I think he will goal kick, which. You know, obviously the Tigers is less appealing than at Manly, for example. But I still think he will average eight, you know, eight points in goal kicking a game, which you know, it, reality in the modern game, that, that that's a pretty good whack. He is dual position, which helps his cause as well. Um, I, I to, to me, I look at Madge and I think there is not a hope in hell he could possibly play Adam Dewey at centre in my mind. But then I look at what he did last year and. He seemed stoked with himself when he did move him to centre. So, and and with a guy like Jackson's Hastings, I just and I I know from talking to Jacko and him talking about his relationship with Madge, and I, I know that he holds Jackson in a really high regard. I know that he's very keen. He he brings him into a lot of like the leadership conversations, and he even talks to him about recruitment and everything. So I just think. He's holding a lot of cards there early to not be part of this team. So I think at some point he will be in the halves. I think he will be a starter. You are drafting him for that point. And the good thing is that, in my opinion, he's going to have the first seven to eight weeks to show everyone that he should be playing 
in the in the five eight or halfback role or whatever the hell it might be because Dewey isn't available. Um, so I'm really excited about Jacko, but if you if you're going to draft him and, and look at his average every week, spare yourself. Don't bother doing it. I also look at the first seven weeks, mate. They play Melbourne week one, which isn't ideal. In saying that, that they are without Harry Grant, they are without Cam Munster, they are without Brandon Smith. So I'm not expecting the Tigers to win, but I think they can compete in that game. After that, they play Newcastle, the Warriors, the Titans, and the Sharks. Now, Sharks is a tough game, but that's going to be three weeks in the row, Newcastle, Warriors, Titans, where I genuinely think they can win, and I genuinely think Jackson Hastings can carve it up and put his front foot forward and say, I want to be in the halves in this team. You, you need to keep me here. Yeah, I, I totally agree, mate. And I, I guess one thing, and you touched on it in your analysis there, was it's so hard to draft or even keep Tigers players because you just don't know what's happening inside Matt's yep. head. Yep. <laughs> and yep. all of a sudden, like, you, you know, Dewey just braining it last year and he ends up in centres. And to, to Dewey's credit, he's that good of a football player that he's still made a fist of it. But... They could they could be you know after the first six rounds they could be you know four and two potentially and working Dewey comes back and that could that could change everything even though Hastings is is lighting it up so that that's the other variable that you got to take into account it's not just about scores on the board is it or performance it's about what Madge wants to do with the team and it's not always um, you know what everyone else would think would happen. And whilst it is cut and dry, I can guarantee you Hastings is one of his favourites. Now, we all know that Dewey is as well, and that they, he moved him to centre and whatnot, but I look at Jacko and I just... I don't think you can really play him anywhere else than in the halves. You could play him at 13, but if they've gone after Peachy, I think yeah, they have to yeah. play him there. You could play him at nine, but you've already got two hookers in the team and you've brought a new one for next year, so it's not a long-term play. I, I And, mate, if we get an insight that Dewey's going to play right centre when he returns, which is going to be tough because we're not going to see them in trials, it's going to be a pain in the ass. But if you can get Jackson Hastings and they've got a right side of Dewey and of Nofaluma, mate, I, I reckon Hastings, he skyrockets. That that could push him to a 60-65 average, in my opinion. Are they going to compete with the top teams? No, they're not. It's going to be a shitstorm. Is there enough teams in this competition that the Tigers can compete with? Personally, I think there is. Once again, you look at their run home. Round 24, they play the Dragons. Round 25, they play the Raiders. Two games that I think they can win. They play the Dragons at Combank. They play the Raiders Sunday afternoon, 4 o'clock at Leichhardt Oval. Um, that is That could be absolute gold to me. Fuck knows what's going to happen with the Raiders, mate. There could be a riot down there by mid-season, <laughs> seeing on how, how it's all gone so far. So... <laughs> to be honest with you, the more I look at Jacko, the, the, the more I talk to you bastards, the more I'm thinking of reaching for him. Yeah, 100%. I think there's just think too much hype too there too. Like, And we've brought him in as sort of, not as a saviour, but as the next chess piece and things. I just think... Are you a Tigers fan, are you? I'm not I'm a Raiders fan. So oh, right. You're, you're right, comment hits the heartstrings. But yeah, um, yeah, I just think there's too much riding on it for him not to be playing whole season there. Um, all right, finally, give us a, a ridiculously scorching hot take on the 2022 Supercoach season. All right, I'm going to come off the back fence here. I'm going to offend plenty of people. Uh, I'm going to say Kalen Ponga averages, I was going to say sub 60, but I think that's a, a not spicy enough. I'm going to say he averages 50 to 55 next year. I think he is in for a... Very disappointing season. Um, I think it's round eight this year that KP decides whether he stays at Newcastle, whether he... Um, I, I, I think his contract, he's got the next two years in his favour. So if we get to that day and he's not putting those forward, I think that says that he's leaving. And I think that could be an absolute shit fight for Newcastle. I think it's going to be a tough year for them regardless um, if we get an inclination that KP could leave and, mate, if I'm Newcastle and we get to that day and we say, are you staying? And he says, oh, I'm not sure. Straight away, I go, okay, he's going to Redcliffe. It's done. Wayne Bennett is sitting on a heap of money there. He hasn't got a strike player yet. We don't have Pierce here. We're struggling. I just, it, it makes me very, very nervous. 
I also, uh, I, I, I just think without Pierce, it's going to be such a battle. And I think KP's a superstar. I absolutely love him. I want him to own this Newcastle team. I want him to stay in Newcastle because I think rugby league's better when Newcastle's going good. But I just, I don't think he's ready to own a football team. I really don't just yet. And that's no insult to KP. He's, I don't know, what, what, how old is he? 24 years old? Yeah, about that. Mate, like, you, you shouldn't, and, and I know there have been guys, there is a Nathan Cleary in this competition who's 24 and owns his football team, but once again, he is the exception. He's not the example. Nearly every 24-year-old that's ever played rugby league isn't ready to own a football team at age 24. So uh, I still think he's a few years away from his very best. You look at how he finished last year when this team was going to play finals footy against Cronulla, Canterbury, Gold Coast, Brisbane. Um, he went above 44 once. He only scored 80, so his average there would probably be 50-odd, I would say, off the top of my head, probably even lower realistically. So, yeah, I'm just I'm very worried about KP. I think that he drops the goal-kicking, and I don't think he gets as many attacking opportunities. I, you know, He's a better footballer when Pierce is there. He's gone. He's a better footballer when Bradman Best is there. Best probably has the worst injury run of a young footballer I've ever seen, potentially. Um, so I'm, yeah, I'm very, very nervous on KP. I also think that they will probably play Lachlan Fitzgibbon on the left edge next year. I would rather Barnett there. I think Barnett moves to lock. So I think, once again, that's another negative on uh, on KP there, that he won't have as much strike on that edge. To, uh, to further support your uh, round eight prediction there, this is the Knights, and this is why I won't be touching Ponga. Uh, this is their first eight games. So the Roosters... Followed by the Tigers, into the Sharks, into the Eagles, into the Dragons, into the Eels, into the Storm. So six out of eight of their first eight, um, top eight, first eight games, sorry, are going to be absolute, uh, extremely tough. So I think you're right, Guru. By round eight, we could be sitting at two and six. One and seven, and then I think we get a pretty good indication, uh, you know, what the future holds for Ponga at Newcastle. I believe, personally, he's already gone. Yeah, so, so do I. Yeah, I think that's done and dusted, um, especially now that Pearce and Watson have gone. There are a couple of dominoes that he was probably not... Um, didn't see coming, and, and it's caught him by uh, surprise, and I think, look, he's probably just looking for a fresh start. Mate, uh, as you just mentioned that draw, just looking at it myself too... Mate, if they get to round nine and they haven't won a game, I've got to tell you, I'm not going to be overly shocked. The Dragons, that's one game they can win there. I mean, history tells us the Dragons, they don't they, they start seasons reasonably well. Um, they don't have a superstar team, but as long as Ben Hunt's playing, I back them to beat the Newcastle Knights that day. It's in Wollongong. What is it, round six? That might be their first game in Wollongong too. Um, I can't see them beating the Sharkies. I just think defensively they'll be too good. Once again, that's at Shark Park. Um, the other game I think they can win is against the West Tigers, but it's round two. Like, I don't think the West Tigers are going to have their heart broken already in round two. I, I that That's probably the one game they can win. That'll be their first game back in Newcastle, but mate, they'll still be working out their halves pairing and everything, which granted the West Tigers will be too, but that's really the only game that I, I can say I think they could win it, but I'm, I'm still taking the Tigers and I, I'd make them favourites today to win that game. Well, we went 0-2 against the Tigers last year, so we couldn't beat them. They're like our bogey side. So oh, good every, God. Yeah, without Pierce and without Watson, there's every chance that we don't win that either. So maybe maybe it's just steer clear of Knights. Maybe, maybe they're not too far off that Raiders dumpster fire. That you're yeah, and mate, they're, 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 they're such a weird team because I, I think they've got a gun forward pack. I really like their pack. I really like their back line too between... KP, Bradman, Best, and Dane Gagger. I think you got three superstars there, but it's the link man in the middle that I just... I, I just don't trust that they're going to be able to find their way. And I, and I know that Joey has walked in there and people think he's going to be the saviour. I, I personally don't think Joey as a coach improves guys as much as what people say. I really don't. Um, and maybe that, that that's another hot take or spicy take or whatever the fuck people call it, but... Yeah, I'm not. I, I think you'd be better off dragging Matt in there and and, and and giving him a role. To be honest with you, I know he's got a lot on his plate, obviously. But yeah, oh, I'm not convinced on Newcastle, and I'm far from convinced on KP. And I think he's just going to be under so much pressure, so much scrutiny. There's going to be so much noise around. Uh, and I, I I think what 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 you said about Connor Watson too. I, I reckon that's a massive kick in the dick for KP. I reckon he would just be 
beside himself that his best mates left. Like they 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 have an almost weird relationship. How close they are, um, and I, I think that'd really sting him. Well, I follow both of them on socials, and a lot of people probably would. And you only had to see the podcast is done, the house is sold, he's moved away. It's like a breakup, mate. <laughs> and it's so- well, mate, it literally is. Like it's and 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 good on them that the, 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 they're such good mates. They they back it up with good football as well. So it's not like they're out on the drink and carrying on like like, like idiots. They 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 back it up with, with good genuine footy. But yeah, I just. Yeah, I don't know him. He's he's now got a girlfriend now too. I I, I I don't know her story. If I was the Newcastle Knights, I'd be hoping she is Newcastle through and through, and maybe she can convince him to stay there. Yeah. But dare I say, if I'm Kalen Ponga, um, I'm probably going to have more than one girlfriend for the rest of my life. So um, yeah, I yeah that that that'll be my hot take, boys. I'll go KP to go sub fifty five. Wow. It's juicy. It's juicy. Yeah. And I'm, I'll, if that comes true, I'll be happy with that because I won't be the bloke taking him round one or two. So happy with that. Uh, yeah. yeah. I, I am I am so happy to let someone else deal with that tyre fire. And if he turns out to a- a- average 65, 70, well done. You went the long way to get an average of 70, in my opinion. You took a lot of risk to get a 70 average. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Awesome. All right, Guru, that kind of brings us to the end, mate. Look, we really, really appreciate you jumping on this morning. Um, we know you, you you work harder than a uh, one-legged man in an ass-kicking contest, mate. You've uh, got content coming out left, right and centre, so we really appreciate you jumping on. I could talk Supercoach Draft for, for hours, and I'm sure you could too. Um, so we really appreciate the, the feature, mate. And, uh, yeah, look forward. I'm sure you'll be in the Legends League again this year, so we look forward to going head-to-head with you in, uh, in that contest again. Beautiful boys, nice to talk to you. And uh, yeah, if there's anything I can do over the season or whatever, or come on for a chat or whatever, send me a message. Yeah, have a uh, have a good Chrissy, and I'll uh, talk to you soon. Will do. Thanks, Guru. Take care, mate. Too. Thanks, Guru. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.